Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you 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 are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys podcast. It's Rahul once again hosting. I'm joined by Kaiser. Hello, everybody. And Vis. Hello, everyone. We're coming to you guys two games further along the Premier League season. Chelsea, Liverpool having only dropped two points along with Man United, all on 13 points. And then we've got a separation slightly there with Man City, Everton, Spurs and West Ham making up the best of the rest. Um, probably too soon to draw any sort of concrete conclusion, but we see a separation between who we arguably think will be challenging at the end of the season and possibly the rest of them going for Champions League spots. I think it's time to get straight into it because we've got a lot to cover today and we'll go to Vis to speak about United and West Ham. How did you think that game went, uh, Vis? Uh, well, there was not uh, many differences from the previous four games that we've played uh, aside the Leeds one. I think this game, uh, similar to the, like I just said, similar to the previous three, a bit uh, disjointed and United did just enough. You know, they, yeah. they seem to be doing just enough to win games. I don't know if it's sustainable or not, but so far it's been working. Uh, so let's talk about the game itself. I mean, going away to West Ham and um, going into that fixture at the time, uh, West Ham were the team with the more confidence, right? Because they were unbeaten in all competitions, even in the league. And United had just lost to young boys. So yeah, confidence was low and uh, United really, really needed to win that game. And, uh, and they did, you know, they did just enough to win that game. Although West Ham didn't have Antonio, uh, West Ham, I feel, you know, that game they played well. They really actually played well, although they weren't as attacking, quite evident, no Antonio. But I think they defended very well. Uh, Zuma and Ogbona really kept Ronaldo in control and overall good, good uh, performance. Yeah, Kaiser? Yeah, when I was watching the game, I was like, the way West Ham were creating but wasting chances and United were just there and thereabouts, I was like, this is a game that United is just going to win. It was just one of those games. Really? They were they were having, so? like, yeah, you don't play well and the other team are getting into it, creating chances, but at the end of the day, you somehow manage to, to win. I feel that's a, the pattern we see. And I think it's so funny, Vish, you mentioned that, that United are scraping along games. At the end of the day, you've only dropped two points. But the Premier League has sort of evolved for the last two, three, four, five seasons where even if you're going at uh, points per game of 2.5, 2.7, yeah. any sort of points you drop, you feel you're out of the title race. We're yeah. five games in. Yeah. But you know, the I think that's definitely something that we look back at Guardiola. I think it's probably Guardiola and there's a response from Guardiola, Klopp and then now Tuchel. They've made sides, engineered sides in a way that the minimum are 90-point seasons. Because this never used to be the case. Yeah, never. You, know? you could win Early the league with 70 when points. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Leicester won in 78, what, five years ago? 78 points. Yeah. You know, and I think normally if you say you got 85 points, you're definitely in the running for it. So it just shows how competitive and how ruthless it is at the top there that United on 13 points after five games is almost looked at in uh, sort of, ooh, is this good enough? When clearly this mm -hmm. is still, you know, it's quite a myth. 13, 13 points from five games is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's also the 
comparison, right? I think the comparison with the other teams, um, the way they've been playing. Like I think we'll talk about this more a bit later. But Chelsea, City, yeah. and Liverpool, just how dominant they've been and getting yeah. the results. I mean, Bar City, yeah. I guess. No, but that's but that's exactly the point, and that's exactly the point I want to ask you about this. I don't think it's the feeling about the points. The points are turning up on the board, but it's the fact that the the, the play and we spoke about this on the last yeah. pod. When you watch United, you don't look at a title-winning team, or it doesn't look like a title-winning team. But why is that? What's wrong? What's what is sort of missing in that? Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying because that's how I feel myself. Even I ask myself the same question: Why? Why don't we have? Uh, you know any sort of pattern of play? You know, like you see City play, Liverpool play, Chelsea play. They look like an uh, like a well-oiled machine. You know, yeah. no matter who the players are, they all have that same pattern that they you know keep repeating and score the same type of goals. But United don't have that. And one thing that also worries me is last season United played like this, and this season it's not changed pretty much. You know, it's not improved. I would say in 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 many in 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 a, in the broader terms. And uh, but they just have better players now. And it's just the individual brilliance that, you know, we didn't have Ronaldo last season. We didn't have Sancho last season. We didn't have Varane last season. So all these individual players are going to take it to the next level. But in terms of playing style and things like that, I don't think we're going to see any much of a difference, you know. And to yeah. answer your question, Raul, I really don't know. It's easy it's easy yeah, for me I, to just sit there and say, enough. yeah, because Ole has no tactics. You know, but I think that's the, just that's the easier way of getting an answer to it. You know, I, I think the answer is way more... You know, it, it, it really is uh, a, a mystery. <laughs> yeah, and I think now is almost the opposite challenge that he's had when he's, you know, when you compare the squad to when he came in and now, is almost the fact that when he came in, it was very simple. You knew who your starting eleven was. You knew yeah. who was the best person to play on the left side of the three, the best person on the right side, and who you're going to play through the, the centre. Now it's almost the opposite where you have too many options. Yeah. Uh, the only nail person is Ronaldo there, but then then what do you do on either side of him? Yeah. Who is the best person? Rashford's coming back from injury now as well, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to say. Um, so let's talk about individual brilliance, and I think you know it's not something to be scoffed at. I think individual brilliance can bring you trophies. It can give you know get you to a good season, yeah. but it's just how long these individuals can sustain that form. So let's talk about David here. Yeah. You know okay. he's arguably been. At the end of last season, people talk about Dean Henderson taking yeah. over. Because the guy was and quite he, shit, let's I mean, be fair. Let's he, be fair. Yeah, last season, he yeah, was shit, yeah. bro. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that For even sure. I myself said at, at one point, I think we should just start yep. Dean Henderson, you know. But this season, look at him. Look at him, bro. Yeah, a lot Mad of people saves. predicted Henderson. Very important saves. Especially like in the Wolves game, he kept us in the game. The Southampton game, he had a ma- he had a major save, and even the last game, the West Ham game, he saved that penalty. You know, he's stepping up. All these players, they're actually stepping up. You know, so besides uh, De Gea, who else, Raul? You want to highlight? I think Ver- Varane in front of him has made a difference in the sense that I don't think it's not just a contribution Varane is making, but it makes Maguire slightly better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the spine of the team is there, but like you said, the, the, the patterns of play, I couldn't tell you what a Man United goal looks like, you know? And yeah. the fact that you, someone who <laughs> watches all their games, couldn't tell you, I think it's very dangerous. Then, you know, it, it could be very dangerous in the sense that the, the plan goes to get the ball to Ronaldo. Yeah, you know, no, that's what it seems to be, you know, drifting towards. Plan A is well, it get seems the ball to be work, It seems to be working. So, it seems to be working so far. I mean, he's scored in every game, I think, right? Yeah, Basically. but if if you see the, the, we can take the positives from it. We won that game two one. But if we had drawn that game two two, right? 
I think the narrative would have been completely different. Mm, really, yeah, completely different. Fair. It would have been. That's fair. Yeah. And I think I think a draw would have been a fair result. Actually, fair result. You think as well? Yeah. Um, I thought uh, that United did. I I'm not going to say they deserved to win, but I think they. Did they should have won that game. They did enough. The chances that they had were the better chances. So for those of you who don't know and are listening, it was 2-1. And um, Jesse Lingard scored that second goal. What an amazing goal. And then right on after that, it was a penalty awarded to Luke Shaw. But I felt as a United fan in that position, I felt so like robbed, you know, because there were two clear-cut opportunities for penalties, in my opinion. I don't know what y'all think about that. I, w- I yeah, want to hear I your don't feedback think, on that. I don't think it was clear-cut. You're talking about the Kufal and Zuma yeah. penalties, right? The Zuma one, maybe not. But the Kufal one, for me, was clear-cut. Yeah, Yeah, I feel, I feel the opposite. I mean, I felt Zuma, uh, the, the Kufal one, like Ronaldo ran into ran into him. And uh, for, one, I think, eh, for the Zuma one, I think it was the opposite, actually, where there was actually contact, yeah. So... Okay. I don't know, but maybe that's what that's one one penalty. Nonetheless, you would agree with me. You would agree with me. We should have at least had one penalty, correct? Am I wrong in saying that? Am yeah, I like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Fantastic. So I mean, uh, I think West Ham did play well. I think they, if like you said, Vis, if it was a two-two, I don't think anyone would have been up in arms about the result. Fine, you can argue about the penalty incidents and stuff, but just on the whole, ninety minutes and the way the game was played out, I think West Ham did have a good shout. Of, uh, of some stake at some point. So let's talk about them. I think Zuma has been a great addition. Yeah. Uh, not only because he's gotten rid of uh, Craig Dawson. Dawson. Knows. <laughs> he's the bane of my fantasy life. Yeah. Uh, but it makes a di- big difference. It makes a big difference now that Ogbonna is someone reliable next to him. Zuma is a good defender. He's athletic. He gets about. He's very good in the air. He wins his one-on-ones. And you can see that. You can see that from the performances so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and one more person I want to highlight is uh, Isa Diop. I think Diop played extremely well. And this is the f- fixture in which he played in the Carabao Cup, the one that United lost last night. Uh, <laughs> so he played extremely well. And he's been a good did, player. Did he play against United as well? Or was it Ogbonna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, no, uh, it was him and Dawson, in fact. Both of them had a very good game. Diop and Dawson okay. play well. So yeah. I see, because Ogbonna is 33 now, so I see the future of that, you know, centre-back partnership would be Zuma and Diop. And I think that is something to shout about. Definitely, and I think the uh, win in the Carabao Cup, West Ham did make quite a few changes as well, and that yeah. shows how they've, you know, they've uh, recruited quite well to build a squad not only for the domestic cup competitions, but obviously them in the Europa League as well. Yes, players like Vlasic coming in, and you know, it'd be interesting to see how they get along the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's 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 a good overview of that game. West Ham have got Leeds, Brentford, and Everton in the next three. Um, I think the way Leeds are playing at the minute, they'll be looking at three points there. Brentford's not an easy place to go. And then mm. West Ham and Everton, I think that game will sort of start to separate who is going to be going for the Europa League and yeah. who's going to be sort of and challenging the outskirts Leeds, the top six. Uh, Leeds are looking light as well with all the different injuries as well. I think the Brentford game will be quite interesting. Brentford has surprised quite a few people at the start of the season. Definitely. Yeah. But I just want to put it out there that, that West Ham... I feel a very, very good team this season. Let's not take them lightly. I think they're a proper side. So if you look at, don't, don't look at the table, but in terms of form for me right now, uh, in terms of the ease in which the teams have been winning their games, for me it's Liverpool. I think they've been playing amazing. You know, it's very tight between Liverpool and Chelsea, but Liverpool have, for me, been more like clear-cut in their wins. Liverpool up there. Second would be Chelsea. And then third for me would be United. Fourth, City. And then fifth would be uh, West Ham. 
West for Ham. me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. in terms of current form, you know, I think that they're really good, really good team. West Ham. Yeah, we'll see how the I think the Europa League Europa League would uh, be interesting to see how it impacts. When that yeah, starts yeah, to kick yeah, in, definitely. Well. Yeah, for sure. definitely. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll talk about the top three right at the end. I think that's gonna be interesting for us to like talk about what we we think so far. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, we'll see you on the other side when we talk about Spurs and Chelsea. Spurs and Chelsea game, both teams come in with quite a few changes or rather they don't have players available for selection. So Spurs were without Bergwijn and Mora, who were two of the front three along with Son who started the season pretty well. Uh, instead, Romero comes in, Son comes in uh, and Dyer was available. Uh, Chelsea were without Mendy, Kante and James. But looking at that strong squad of them, they were able to replace very able deputies in Aspi, Christensen and Jorginho. I think just looking at the uh, game as a whole, you can definitely you know draw a mark right in the middle and say that Spurs probably were deserving of some reward in the first half. Maybe you could say they didn't take the opportunities that came to them. And I think after Tuchel had a time to bring the boys in and make the changes, Chelsea were definitely the better team. So I think there are a few things to unpack from that. And the first thing is I want to talk about what Spurs did to cause Chelsea problems. And this is not the first time this season this has happened. Villa did really well against Chelsea as well. Again, they didn't take advantage of the chances they were going. Or maybe you can look at it the other way. Chelsea defence did enough to stop actual goals. Um, but there is a way to get at this Chelsea team. And Vis, I think Tuchel made some really... Uh, sorry, not Tuchel. I think Nuno made some really good adjustments to the Spurs team to exploit that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think slowly they're finding the b- blueprint in um, finding a way to actually beat uh, Chelsea, especially in, in the midfield. Uh, so what, what Nuno... Okay, see, the, the thing was, Kane in that game essentially was nowhere near the box to shoot and score. He was more of a deep-lying midfielder sort of role, but there's a reason for that. Uh, so in the first half, Kane uh, kept dropping in deep, and because of that, Jorginho had to follow him around, which yeah. took him out of position, and so it was like a domino effect. So when that happened, Delhi was open. So that meant Christensen had to step in and come in for him. And then Delhi would then give the ball to Son. And then Son then would turn Silva. And now because Jorginho and Christensen are out of position uh, and there's space finally because they've overloaded that, you know, that pivot, that two of them. So what Regulion does is he starts making that darting run into space. And that was their first golden opportunity. And if actually mm. Regulion had played it properly, I think Spurs could have been easily 1-0 up. So there were a lot of chances a shot. in which... Even if he took a shot at that Yeah, point, even taken a shot. I think he like ran out of gas what he did. towards the end. <laughs> but does that, mean, does, yeah. that mean teams, does that mean teams will have to sacrifice their, their, their strikers similar to... No, I mean, not necessarily. Not necessarily. You see, that's the thing. That's my question. I want to ask Spurs. Why is it that Kane has to be the one dropping in deep to sort of, you know, create that extra man in that midfield? You know, because they were able to nullify it halfway through the game, right? What Tuchel realised that Kane was, you know, being that extra man, he asked Mount to drop in into that three to sort of cut the passes towards uh, Kane. And they sort of nullified it to a certain extent. But come to second half, that's when Kante came in for Mount to do what Kante was supposed to do and he killed it, lah. Basically, but yeah, why do they have to use Kane to drop in deep? Why don't they have a sort of a player who can actually counter that? Rahul, would you would you know? I think a lot of that has to do with the availability in the squad of a player of an Ericsson mole or a Musa Dembele mole. Dembele left, I think, two years ago, so 2019. Ericsson left last year. 
And I don't think they've really replaced that sort of creativity from midfield. Eriksen and Dembele very different players. Dembele was very yeah. good at on the half turn. He was very good at beating a man. While Eriksen, obviously, everyone knows what is mm. passing and his dead ball coming from deep. Coming from deep, correct. But you know, they had, I think they attempted to sign someone in Dembele who was very good for Lyon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah. For big price, yeah. you know. I mean, when he came in, I remember looking at the signing. A lot of people were saying, "Was well, well, that's a player? You know, that's a really good player. They've got yeah. that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Huge for signing, some yeah. reason, he's not got along with Mourinho. Everyone knows about that. It's well documented. You know, he struggled with fitness here and there. You see flashes. There's definitely a good player there, but because they can't rely on him, what they have to look at is then, oh, who can you know who can facilitate, who can fill this role, and yes, like you said. They're using it as Kane, but surely someone who's one of the best number nine, someone who's so good at putting the ball at the back of the net, surely you can compensate somewhere else in the team and get him closer to the goal. In that Spurs team, when I take a step back and look at it, who can actually pass the ball better than Kane? Leave aside the shooting. When mm, it comes possibly? to through balls, long balls, who can pass the ball better than Kane in that squad? I don't think anyone yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, so they're struggling too. I think the Dembele issue as well that Los Celso was meant to sort of. I mean, he's a very similar type of player. I think getting and the ball from deep and I bringing mean, it forward. Los Celso as well. You see yeah. some of the things he's done. You're like, wow, that's a player there. But then mm, you know, it's mm. about consistently doing. And Dembele was so good against Chelsea first 45, and then where he goes yeah, missing yeah. straight after has to go? be hooked. You know, um, yeah. so I think that's the problem. And I think it comes back to the question: I Nuno himself doesn't know what his best midfield is. City Wolves Watford. Yeah. He does a four-three-three. Ali Skip and Hoiberg, such a you know workman-like sort of midfield. Against mm-hmm, Palace, yep. he changes it up. It's a four-one-two-one-two. Skip Hoiberg, Winks and Ali in sort of a four-four-two diamond as well. You could call it. And then against yeah. Chelsea, Hoiberg, Undombele, Ali. So we you know Spurs fans don't know it. Nuno doesn't know what his best midfield is. And all this coming yeah. back to about cohesion and things. Like we said, Spurs had an interrupted preseason, right? You know, not only Nuno came in late, the whole Kane drama. So maybe they just haven't had time <laughs> to work on this. We don't know. We don't know. But I yeah. think this is coming out to show. The one thing positive I think we'd say is exactly what you said, Vis. There are flashes there. You know, it shows Nuno mm. can be adaptable. He can look at exploiting teams, and you see that where Wolves used to cause big teams trouble all the time, all the you time, know? and that's all how they the beat uh, City as well. Hundred you know, percent beat City Definitely. in the first game. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to give him some time. I think I mean he's just um, betting in all the players, and he's just going to the the team. But it's interesting to see how he's yeah, how he's he's. Before he has started, definitely, and I think it's it's uh, it's funny when you contrast both these strikers' sort of numbers. You know, not only uh, the actual goals, but actual just sort of touches, shots, things like that. You look at Kane's his poverty over the this season. He's literally had a total of four shots. Yeah, his xG shots is less than dope, one, and yeah. you compare it to someone like Lukaku, fourteen shots, xG of two point one five, and he's also scored three goals. I think you mentioned that even Matip has Matip has more touches in the box than Kane. Right? Box, yeah, <laughs> Joel, don't mess with Joel, <laughs> which, is, which is madness. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, you know, we're we're talking about Spurs and we're we're complimenting what they tried to do. The focus should be on what Chelsea did do, and that's the the big thing here. Yeah, Tuchel, you know, not exactly. for not not for the first time this season, not for the first time in his tenure, has looked at a problem. And been able to fix it straight away, and okay, fine. Immediately, he he's got a stacked squad. He's got a really good squad. He's got good players, but still, to address that issue, bring Kante in. Yeah, ask well, first time. ask Mount to drop in, and then Kante changes the game. And fine, you want to say Kante is a cheat code, which fine, he's an amazing player, but Tuchel yeah. he just makes changes and it works so far. Everything he's done so far has really, really done well. Two, three zeros in a row. 
you know, when arguably yes, the man. first half of both games, they didn't play well. The fact that Chelsea are sitting at the top of the table after playing uh, Spurs, after playing Arsenal and playing Liverpool as well. Yeah. These three fixtures. Yeah. They're yeah. not easy fixtures, bro. And are they even all away? These three fixtures, yeah, yeah, yeah. All away, right? All, all away, all away. away. Yes. Huge Definitely league, league winning huge, form. Huge points, yeah, exactly. So, so when you look at that, I mean, it's scary. And we say this every pod, so I don't harp on the on the point. But they yeah. look like some a team that I. It's not surprising that they win the league. You know, what I mean, like that. That that's no surprises. It's not some. Mm. Uh, if 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 you tell me at the end of the season Chelsea finish with ninety five points, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm surprised they didn't hit a hundred. You know, because they do, they just yeah. don't look like they can be beat, and that's like a dangerous right now, yeah. thing. Chelsea are mirroring uh, Liverpool's uh, points and goals scored and against as well right? this <laughs> this season, and I feel like they might mirror Liverpool's um, post uh, Champions League winning season and then winning the Premier League as well. Oh, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Okay, so I think that ties up Chelsea Spurs nicely. We'll look at Palace. Palace after the break. Crystal Palace is, I've got to admit, guys, I completely, I mean, five games in, but I've completely called it wrong. I don't know if I said it on any of the pods or stuff, but not only them and Saints, I said they were my shoe-ins for relegation. So I'm looking like an idiot so far. Um, but kudos to them. Um, obviously, <laughs> I kept a really close eye Early on days. the Liverpool, Liverpool Palace game. They were very good. Very good side. Uh, and guys, <laughs> I think you've gotta, we've got to talk about Vieira. We've got to talk about Vieira and what he's done since he's come in. Yes. The new man. I mean, the Palace fans have been calling this for ages and finally they have their breath of fresh air in Vieira. I mean, we know as Liverpool fans, Rahul, how torturous uh, watching the dark days and uh, manage your team. I, uh, I think that's the only period in my Liverpool uh, fan time that I really like. Look, didn't look forward to any of the weekends watching the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, this showed in 2019-2020, um, so two seasons ago, um, they managed to get the lowest total of goals in their club's history. Uh, so a change was needed. And Vieira, his CV is not very impressive. I mean, he's only been in America to um, manage and then Nice yeah. um, before this. Uh, and so, yeah, like you said, and a lot of people were saying, is was this the right appointment? Um, but early signs have been very interesting. I mean, he sets up his team very differently to Hodgson, takes the game to the opposition, so a lot more positive. And I think in each of the games, we see that he's willing to change uh, his tactics and formation. So this might um, be an example of how he's planning to uh, play moving forward. Uh, I mean, in, during the Chelsea game, he changed his formation three times. Uh, Spurs, even though they were winning 1-0, he was willing to bring on uh, attacking players in Edward and Olise, despite being already 1-0 up. And even in Liverpool game, I, um, Liverpool controlled the game, but Palace were really unlucky not yeah. to go away with anything. The thing is, they're, they're a completely different team from last season. You know, last season, they were the whipping boys. You know, even this season, the beginning of this season, Raul, remember we were talking about how many uh, players, their contracts were, you know, left to expire and shit like that. <laughs> they and let Vieira the whole squad ready. go. They were like, all yeah. of you guys can go. <laughs> but I think Vieira was like, this is not going to cut it out. Let's just 
kill the I mean take away the old people and bring in the youth and you can yeah. see you can see yeah. the way they played the energy is yeah, there so it's completely different so it seems he had a plan <laughs> yeah he yeah. had a plan after yeah. all you know so we have to put our hands up and say well done <laughs> so far well done it's nice actually yeah, after a long time w- to watch Crystal Palace play is yes. actually nice you know like yes. fun to yes. play like yes. fun to watch sorry yeah it's like it's like us having that stereotype with Stoke Stoke, Burnley, and then this like guy Stoke got rid of Pulis and then changing. Yeah, it, it feels like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. It feels like a massive change. So let's, I think let's talk about some of the individuals there. Because for example, I have really enjoyed watching Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, he played for West Brom, I think, last season. But for some reason, didn't sort of have, have the same impact. It might be because of the way they played. But he is just... Uh, it helps that they've put him on everything. So he's on all set pieces at the minute. He's very central to what they do. But watching him in person, such a good player. Such a good player. The way he takes care of the ball, the passes he picks is is really nice to watch. Uh, and he's he's the, got, they've he's got a, a few other individuals throughout sure. the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kaiser, yeah. You, there are a few other individuals throughout the team uh, that are having a similar impact as well. Yeah, I think Gallagher is the main one. I mean, he sticks out so much just because of he's like everywhere on the pitch, so high energy, but yet he's playing quality passes, quality through balls. It's just such a joy to watch, like you said. Uh, Edward, I think, who will start very soon uh, in place of Benteke. Mm. I think they're slowly betting him in, but he's been impressive every time he's uh, come on. Uh, Scott two on his debut, of course. Uh, and even Liverpool game, the first chance he had. Oh, did so well to get I into don't know that why space. he oh takes God. the touch there. Uh, how he didn't score. Yeah. So why does he take the touch? First time, that's a goal, you know. Um. Exactly. Exactly, but um, yeah, Guehi and Anderson as well. The two centre-back pairings, very assured at the back. I think they have a really strong spine now as well with Koyate uh, and CDM. MacArthur still somehow playing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, Guahita. One Guahita of the old boys. Well. Uh, old boys, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> for the locker room. Like interesting. One. They let go a lot of people. They've made some, what seems very solid signings. Definitely. And Olise as well, who came on against the Liverpool game. Uh Look mm. fantastic, you know, look fantastic, really yeah. brave on the ball, beats a few players and very, I mean, it's not just that, he was very highly rated coming from Reading. Uh, I've seen a lot of Reading fans talk about he will be as good as uh, Eze, if not better. And that's another one. Eze ruptured Oof. Achilles last season. Oh, He's another Eze, one to come back yeah. into the team. Mm, and he was exactly. great. Yeah. Even, even under hot season. He was great last season. last season. In that shit squad that's also, true. he was he was a shining light in that shit squad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and that, that's why I, I really want to see we can't really make any more excuses for Zaha now if, you know, they play attacking style football, there are other <laughs> options in the team. If he still can't perform so here, true, if he so still true. doesn't reach the, the levels that he's supposed to, then I think we can all sort of... I've been always on the Zaha bandwagon. Mine is if he played for a better team, he, he would be a good player, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see the rest of the mm. season. Uh, they got interesting sort of... I think it eases slightly now, their fixture. So they got Brighton, Leicester, Arsenal, Newcastle, Man City. So still not amazing. But some fixtures where you could definitely see them pulling up some surprises. Definitely the Brighton-Leicester game, Arsenal as well. I wouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. If I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't be too surprised if you told me they got seven points or something like that. But that's good. Yeah, Crystal Palace. <laughs> It's not funny. I mean, it's not. It's not ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but no, no. fine. So uh, yeah, true, let's take true. a break there. We'll come back and talk about all the big boys when we preview all the fixtures coming up in the next couple of weeks. So next couple of weeks, we've got massive games, massive games throughout the league. Uh, but before we get to uh, teams playing at the top half. 
maybe we should actually talk about Arsenal and Spurs. So uh, Arsenal have actually turned it around. I think uh, we've firmly been in the Arsenal camp. The three of us trying to be positive, yeah. trying to yeah. you know say it's only Brentford was the the surprise out of the first three games. You know Chelsea and City, everyone's gonna lose points there. And there we go, yeah. two wins, two clean sheets. This yeah. So I mean they've turned it around completely. So if we okay, let's talk about Arsenal versus Spurs. I mean that's the next big fixture that's coming up, right? So let's talk about Arsenal first. I mean they've turned it around. They've won their last two fixtures. Whereas Spurs, they've sort of you know the last time we recorded for Spurs, they were top of the league and look where they are now. <laughs> yeah. So that's the yes. that's the Premier League for yeah. you. We did say so, we did say it was unsustainable. So yes, yes, uh, true. We true. saw this coming. We saw this coming. Yeah. So Arsenal, I mean, <laughs> two two wins in a row and two clean sheets, huh? Let's let's be one nils, two one nils. They proper scraped it and done it. That's and, all it um, takes. Three points is three points, yeah. you know. Proper scraped so it against prior to the prior to the City game. That when Arsenal played City, I was I was you know a bit positive, lah. I remember we, I was always very positive about Arsenal. Try to know, be, yeah. They can do something. They've beaten City before. They've beaten Chelsea before, you know. But yeah, but you see the lineup. That started City, and you look at the lineup that played uh, in the last game, right? So they Ramsdale was in goal, and then Tomiyasu, who they, who has just come in, uh, has been amazing so far. I would say he's probably properly better into the team. Yeah. Then you have White yep. and Gabriel, and then you have Tierney. That back four was a completely different back four besides Tierney, except Tierney uh, that played City. Okay. Mm. So then you have Partey mm. in the middle there, and then you have Saka, Emil Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and Pepe. And then you have Aubameyang up top. So actually, the team actually quite good, you know. Like if yeah. players like Saka, yeah. ESR, and uh, Pepe, and all these players, if they actually get in form and they actually start playing like how they were playing last season, like to you know during their peaks, I think Arsenal will be a very very good team, uh, You know. So the ones to highlight here, I would say, is uh, in the last fixture, especially against Burnley, was Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale uh, has been playing very well. Back-to-back uh, -back clean sheets. And uh, Ramsdale is the type of player that Arteta likes, I feel, because Leno is someone that didn't like playing from the back. It was quite apparent that he just didn't Do you think Ramsdale yeah. is good with his feet? Yeah, I can. yeah Ramsdale, Ramsdale is quite good with his feet. Do you think feet. so? So it's quite obvious, yeah. So it's quite obvious why Arteta wanted a, you know, a player of his profile. Ball so playing. he's one. And then, uh, yeah, ball-playing uh, uh, keeper. <laughs> and then Tomiyasu <laughs> as well. So, Tomiyasu in that game, he won against Burnley, uh, this one. He won all his aerial duels, all his ground duels, five ball recoveries, five clearances, most touches in the game. I mean, it's fair to say like, he's, he's settled pretty well at Arsenal. And, and um, yeah, so right now, looking at the table, Arsenal are four points behind City. So... Have they have they turned it around? What what do you guys think? You think it's it's yeah? Too I mean the say? fixtures have been uh, <laughs> kinder, kinder. Norwich sure. and Burnley, you have to win those. <laughs> That's for sure. Come on, yeah, man. you have to, you have to. And, but they have, I was, they have, right? And yeah, they have, they have. yeah. And I was saying where if they're gonna drop points in those two games, and then this Spurs game would have been the uh, would have mm. been the last yes. straw, I think, for Ateta. Correct. But the Correct. fact that he's won these past two, I think. Uh, it's looking very good, and if he can push on in this Spurs game, um, I think yeah. Yeah, we did we did say six out of nine points would be the minimum line. This next three fixtures: Norwich, Burnley, and yeah. and Spurs, right? So so far he's yeah. got six already. Let's see like, if he can make it nine out of nine against Spurs. So Spurs, like I said earlier when we recorded the last time, they were top of the league, and then now they're sitting in seventh with nine points after five games, back to back losses against Crystal Palace. 
and Chelsea. So the funny thing is, right? Uh, remember Nuno said uh, <laughs> clean sheets are the start to everything. Yet they conceded <laughs> six goals in the last two matches, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, Rahul, is there anything that you? So I mean, you, we've we've covered Spurs quite a bit, right? In in the beginning, is there anything else besides what we've already covered that you want to add? I think now both of the teams. It's so funny that the North London derby comes at the time that it does because I think both the teams are yes. in similar places in the sense that. The season hasn't quite got started for either of them. Yeah, uh, there have been glimpses, you know, for Arsenal. There have been glimpses. The last two games, I thought they were pretty good. I think, like you said, uh, at the back, Tomiyasu and uh, Ramsdale starting, as well as obviously bringing back good players like Magalhaes and Tierney. The solidity is yeah. coming back, you know. Yeah. And Spurs have shown they can be solid, but equally now they have to show that they can put the ball in the net, you know. And that's I think. There's two yeah. that that we're looking at two teams with a huge question marks throughout the squad and throughout their season, and this game could go either way for either side. So Arsenal, if you look at it, like you said, nine out of nine points, go to you know go and beat Spurs. It's a very different narrative to oh we've yeah. had this rubbish start, we've got these two points, and then we're yeah. still shit and we've lost to Spurs. Equally for Spurs, you know they yeah. lose this Arsenal game is looking pretty bleak as well. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Not not really in the game because I don't think the game will be an exciting prospect. I think it'll be quite dire. <laughs> but definitely the Agreed, uh, yeah. outcome, boring. Outcome of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I th- well, yeah, I think both, like we said, both teams have got a lot to lose. So. Yeah, and the funny thing is, if Arsenal win this game, they'll be on level points with Spurs. You know. In just after six games, despite despite that disastrous start, right? Yeah, that's, but that's the thing. Yeah. We're so early in the season. We're so early yeah. in the season. Very early. Very early. In some parts, like in the title race, for example, you feel is significant dropping two points, three points, like we said earlier. But in other places, mm-hmm. I think if you're going for Champions League spot, I think still two points per game, trying to get about seventy points, will still get you there. You know. Yeah. So I think there's yeah. that big separation between the elite sort of three, four teams, and then the rest of the teams haven't gotten that much better compared to what it used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I think 70 points still does it. 75 points, sorry. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting. So I think let's we'll get the score predictor going again uh, just to finish off on the Arsenal-Spurs game. So let's get your predictions. We'll go Kaiser first and then we'll go the opposite way for the next two. So Kaiser, what's your... What's your prediction I for Spurs-Arsenal? Or Arsenal-Spurs, sorry. I think... I was tempted to say a nil-nil draw, but I think Kane loves a goal against Arsenal. Uh, the Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think still think it'd be a draw. So maybe a one-one. I'll go for. Wow. Okay. Okay. This row. Two or goals. Me. My God. Can you imagine? Uh, I think one-nil to Spurs. One-nil to Spurs. I think I think I agree with. I think I agree with Kaiser there. So I think I think one-one as well. One I think one it'll be now. a draw. Uh, again, yeah, either nil nil one one. I don't think it's gonna be expensive football to be honest, but uh, <laughs> I think they will both somehow score a goal. But uh, it'll be nice to see Arsenal win, lah. Actually, it'll be nice. You think la. so? Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> Why is that? I, I mean, they've been. It's <laughs> come, come to a point. It's come to a point. You're pitying them too much, obviously. Yeah, started. It's come to a point. So we so won't sad, get so know? much stick. You're not just making fun of them. Arsenal and listen to the yeah, pod. Yeah, we just <laughs> we just not making fun of them anymore. It's become yesterday. Like a pity they're damn happy situation. Yeah, good for them, lah. You know, hopefully they mm. win this one, lah. They've been so shit, lah, guys. Past two seasons, <laughs> like I, it's so it's, it's terrible. You know? So it'll be nice, lah. It'll be nice to see see them win. Lovely, lovely. So we've got all that out of the way. Let's take a small break and let's talk about the top of the table. Huge week, huge week. 
for Manchester City Football Club. And I think we look at our preview and centre it around Man City. And that's because they've got a huge week of fixtures coming up. They play Chelsea this weekend. For some reason, it's the early kickoff on a Saturday at 12.30, which I hate. Um, I think these kind of games should be 5.30, uh, or rather in Malaysia, what, the 12.30 mm. kickoff, right? It shouldn't be the early kickoff. Yeah. Then they've got PSG in the yeah. Champions League, and then they come to Anfield the following Sunday, so the 3rd of October. I think this is quite a defining week, not only for Man City, not only for Chelsea, not only for Liverpool, but how the rest of the season is really going to, 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 to play out, right? Um, yeah, City yes. currently are on 10 points they've already dropped 5 they they drew to Spurs and they sorry they lost to Spurs and then drew dropped another 2 points the weekend just gone against Saints so they're already trailing 3 points behind Chelsea and Liverpool so um, definitely it's the impetus is on them to try and get something from yeah, uh, definitely. these games so uh, Vis I'm going to come to you first and let's see what yeah. your thoughts are let's talk about the Chelsea fixture first okay so the way I see it playing out, honestly, I see Chelsea winning that one. Easy, not easy. Sorry, I mean one nil, two nil. That's how I see it happening. Uh, the PSG one, City are going to win that. The Liverpool one is still tough to say. Uh, who's playing at home? Uh, he's got, they're going to Anfield. Anfield. Anfield I think Liverpool. Will Liverpool win. I think Liverpool home, will yeah. win that game. So realistically speaking, I think they're only going to get two, oh, one win, zero. only PSG, and then they're going to lose against Chelsea, Liverpool. But you know what City will actually do? They'll win all three and win another 17 in a row. That's what they'll do. They're capable. <laughs> they're more than capable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Especially with KDB and Foden. Yeah. Back, I think that might bring a different dynamic uh, to their team. But uh, I doubt they'll get six points. Though. But what I'm excited to see, right, in this, uh, it's, it's just so annoying that the City-Chelsea game is the same time as the United-Villa uh, game. Yeah. But I just want to see because uh, Villa have tried to you know expose Chelsea if you put it that way. Spurs tried. I think Spurs were the much better team in the first half against Chelsea, and if they had taken their chances, completely different game. I think. So I want to see if City can actually find you know find the the cheat lah to beat Chelsea, like to so, sort of like crack the code, and then teams can learn off this blueprint and see if they can actually beat Chelsea or not. They will find a the way. The problem with that is even if City find a way to do it, not many teams are going to be able can to em- emulate yeah, what able City do. <laughs> yeah. But no, okay, bring not, on not Mahrez, a lot of teams, Torres. but I think teams like Liverpool, uh, teams like uh, United, you know, I feel if they have a blueprint to work on, I think they can nick it. You know, teams like this. That's what I feel. Yeah, but you, you guys say blueprint, but I feel like... But at the same time, you guys have mentioned that Tuchel adapts so well to in-game uh, things, right? So definitely not going to be going to be so straightforward. And I think, like we said, because the impetus is with City as well, this will play into Tuchel's hands, you know? They, he, he, a draw in this fixture yeah. is more than enough. He doesn't need to, he doesn't enough, need to win this. Um, yeah. And Pep really needs it. Definitely. And he needs the fans behind him. He also. needs the fans. <laughs> yeah. like, and Pep, this kind, of, this kind of things as well... Tuchel is it'll play on his mind you know he's had a bad recent record with him yes definitely Uh, definitely so let's get predictions let's get predictions in for both these games I went to Kaiser first initially so Vis I think you need to start us off Chelsea 2-0 for me yep Kaiser against City Mm. Uh, I think 1-0 Chelsea 2-0 2-0 Chelsea so I think it's all all Chelsea wins across the board but I hope it's a City win if I'm being honest as a 
Show, yeah, we need to balance it out a bit, lah. No, lah, just not, uh... showing my Liverpool colours. I don't care about about it being balanced. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> I just did Chelsea. What, what would you want though? You want like a draw? I think the draw. No, I, I think City win. I think it's. No. I think a City win because then Liverpool win, got yeah. a chance yeah. to take points off the next week. You know, smash yeah, them. Chelsea man. are favourites for this title, man, for sure. Fair, uh, fair, fair. Lovely, lovely. So Kaiser, let's talk about the game at Anfield following week. Not too much in depth. Let's just have a overall feeling because last season. They got battered, you know. They got battered in the in this fixture without fans. So how do you see this? Going? But but they played away though. Oh sorry, yeah. Now City won. Uh, City won at last home. season, right? No no no. City won away uh, oh, as well. So Anfield? this reverse fixture. Huh? Yeah, sorry, I, at Anfield they won. They won four one. Yeah. So I mean, so so again, it's uh, it's def- I mean, it's a huge game in any in any season, but especially now because coming off from this four one loss. With the fans back in, I think definitely Anfield uh, will be rocking for a game four thirty on a Sunday. Yeah, so I mean it's a very different fixture because last season we had to play Henderson and Fabinho at centre back, um, mm. and Liverpool have been very dominant at the start of the season. So it'll be a completely different team uh, that they're facing, um, and so I am very very hopeful actually, especially we're playing at home. Lovely. So I'll start off predictions for this one. I think I'm gonna go. Home advantage, the crowd back. I think I'll go Liverpool 2-0. Liverpool 2-0 for this one. Uh, we'll go Kaiser next. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1, I think. Um, because of the KDB factor. I think 3-1 to Liverpool. Uh, Fine. So, so based on our <laughs> so based on our <laughs> predictions, City 0 City points zero for the next two fixtures. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That'll be mad. Good stuff. <laughs> the like PSG one, by so yeah, City no, I think it'll be one, s- it'll be so good for Liverpool because of um, City playing PSG the midweek as well. Yeah, that's true. true. Huge, huge. I mean, City. You could look if you're a City fan of yours with your Pep Guardiola, you're going to the dressing room and saying this is a season-defining week, even though it's five games into the season. You know, it's yeah, huge. But the, it's you're, you're yeah, but exactly for these right teams, fine margins, bro. We talked yeah. about this earlier. It's and fine margins. These three, three teams, counts, these three teams are gonna batter all the bottom fourteen teams. Based on how True. Yeah. So these are the the so games that count. True. Yeah, these are games. Definitely. definitely, lovely. So we've unpacked quite a bit of the games that have happened already, and then we're looking. We've looked forward at some massive fixtures to come up. Uh, next time we record, it'll be probably after that huge game at Anfield. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us, guys. As always, take care. Uh, that's been the Bola Boys. Sony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.